Welcome to the Canny Conversations podcast, Conversations with a Cause, with social entrepreneur Safraz Ali. Saf came relatively late to entrepreneurship after working in both the public and private sectors. He coined a phrase that describes what he does as the mad entrepreneur that's make a difference entrepreneurship. As well as being the author of the Canny Bites books, Saf's business interests cover health and social care, business and corporate events, as well as him being the CEO of Pathway Group, a welfare-to-work and skills provider. In these podcasts, he shares his thoughts with journalist Adrian Kibler. So, let's join the conversation. Hello and welcome to another Canny Conversation with a Cause. Conversations that we hope will captivate your curiosity cannily um and and Saf, welcome good thank you I, uh, so tell us a little bit about um what you've been doing work work, work. <laughs> and, and, and is that a good thing or do you think i mean no, you, no, I, no, no, work 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 yeah do you think I, I, i've i've been to it's actually wedding season. i know you've talked yeah. a lot in the past stuff about work life balance and, or work life choice work life choice yeah um but 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 do you agree that there are there are circumstances in which it's actually a, a good idea to sort of get away completely absolutely and do abso- something completely different absolutely but absolutely. you find that difficult to do do you uh at times to switch off but you know different you know it's the variety isn't it it's uh it's not doing one thing so i'm i'm lucky enough the fact that i'm able to switch and do different things you know sometimes uh, i had an interview i had two interviews actually uh uh this week so that was quite quite good. One for a publication and one for a podcast, another podcast. So interesting. So it's having that variety, having having being in a position where you have choice and you're doing things because you have the choice rather than having no choice. So um, so you're almost a serial podcaster. Is that is that going a bit too far? Uh, no, I wouldn't say I'm a serial podcaster, but I am. Uh, I am looking at doing another podcast out, outside our Connie Conversations podcast, but that's specifically for the further education sector, and, and I've been working on that in the background. So this is, I mean, obviously we talk about you know things that really interest uh, interest us here: leadership, business, and most people can dip in and dip in and dip out. But the FE podcast is specifically aimed at the further education profession, uh, the further further education sector. It is uh, it is uh, specifically about you know what that industry is talking about themes, and it's slightly different to this where I'm actually the host and the sort of the interviewer really, and so I, you know I have a I have an opportunity to talk be, to people, so um, so it's really in preparation. For that, sort of been working on that. Are you somebody that if you're not working, you feel guilty? I find it hard at the moment to say watch watch a bit of television without maybe having something, you know, in terms of you know do or doing something else, whether it's scribbling notes uh, on a on a pad or whether it's having my laptop open and working in the background to a certain level. I've been able to do that. I've gone to, as I said, cinema and. And, and watched films and without doing anything else, but it's being able to focus and stay in the room. And I think, you know, I've got to work on it. I've got to focus on, and, you know, if I'm in the room, I want to be in the room. So, you know, that quality time, rather than my mind wandering off. So mature, mature, my children are talking to me. I, I need to 
focus and listen exactly what they're saying. And that's for family members as well. So I think a lot of people that work hard don't recognise that the body and the mind is something that needs rest and recuperation in order to perform well. And, and, and it's very, very difficult. And I, th- I know I find it difficult. And I suspect you might find it even more difficult than I am to actually make the distinction. But, you know, you sometimes think, oh, I'm being lazy. Where there is a distinction between laziness and, you know, genuinely taking time out so that you can rest and recover and, and perform better. Um, and that's a decision, which brings us on to the topic of today's planning conversation, which is about decision-making. We've, we've all heard the, the, the saying that, you know, we decide in haste and we repent at leisure. But we've also heard equally the saying that he who hesitates is lost. And both of them can be correct in certain sets, set of circumstances. And both of them can equally be wrong. The, the title of this particular episode is Take Your Time. Uh, and, and you chose that title, Saf. So how important is it to take your time when reaching a decision? I think we, we need to realise at times where, you know, when we're being emotive, you know, when we're emotional, when, you know, when potentially we need to sleep on it. You know, you, you know you're talking about resting and so forth. And last time we spoke a little bit about books or, or podcasts on various topics. And so one of the things I'm more conscious about is the good quality sleep that I have. And, um, and different levels of sleep and, and how sleep is quite a complicated affair, but it's much, much needed and, and uh, going into sort of REM sleep and different levels of sleep. And, and the fact that, you know, if you're, if you're lucky to have a good quality of sleep overnight and, you know, you're, you know it, it helps you with life, it helps you with business and it helps you with, you know, how, how we make decisions. And so from my perspective, it's sleep is a thing that I would say I've never really I've taken it for granted and I thought you know if I'm sleeping I'm wasting my time I've given that more time now in terms of my life and I've planned my sleep and I've planned you know how I get to sleep and so forth so I'm switching off we all know about you know devices and and you know giving the mind sort of triggers the fact that you now is bedtime and having a routine pattern so for me from my perspective it's those sort of habits that i've formed and again you know it's not just about the sleep but it's also about the rest uh it's also getting into a position where you know i'm not triggered happy with an email so for you know reading it rereading it digesting it previously i've been known about you know sending emails at you know sort of stupid o'clock really at two o'clock in the morning one o'clock in the morning so i tend not to use my laptop at certain hours and if i am using the laptop it's going to be for creative work it's going to be for uh, you know doing a little bit of creative writing either writing in terms of for a book or a publication or writing in terms of for enjoyment so i have changed my habits in terms of what you know what i do and i tend to sort of think over uh, some decisions reflect on it Um, what i also find is this last bit i'll say and then you know i'll I'll, I'll pass the mic back to you if i may but the, the uh, is uh, at times verbalizing or for vocally talking about the issue to somebody uh, who's a, a confidant, somebody who I can trust, because what they'll do is they'll give me some clarity of thought, and that hopefully clarity of thought leads to 
clarity on execution, which then hopefully leads to better decisions. I, I, I don't right want decisions. to lose. I don't want to lose the thread in terms of we're talking about sleep and we've talked about books, which is quite nicely brings together. I don't know if you're familiar with a chap called Dr. Steve Peters. Steve Peters is a, a medical man. He's a, a clinical psychiatrist. He's worked in some of the um, you know the, the, the medical units like Broadmoor. With worked with some very disturbed people. He's also provided advice to you know the British Olympic cycling team. He he was an, adv- an advisor at one time to the Liverpool Football Club, and uh, he'd, he'd written a tremendous. Well, he's written a number of books, but one book that I would heartily recommend to anybody to read if they only ever read one book in their lifetime read dr steve peters the chimp paradox um which is which is a splendid book and i think ought to be on the curric- national curriculum along with with shakespeare but one of the th- to, to, to digress one of the things that dr peters said in that book he said unless you absolutely have to never make a decision or never make an important decision between 10 o'clock in the evening and 8 o'clock in the morning because the, 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 the way the body's cycle is, that is a bad time to make decisions. Now, clearly, if you wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning and you've got chest pains, you, you don't wait until 8 o'clock to ring the ambulance. But that's a situation where you have to make a, a decision during those hours. But, but, you know, I have to say, Saf, that the old adage, sleep on it, for me, uh, as I get older and hopefully a bit wiser. I, I think that's very wise. I, I always try not to make difficult decisions between those hours. And I also try to make it a habit never to send or reply to a you know slightly awkward email or, or telephone call during that time. Is that something uh, you, I th- you I subscribe to? For, for me, that's the, the key here. It's the haste email. Uh, uh, it's the haste response. You know, you start saying, and you decide in haste, repent in leisure. And, and I've sent emails where you know i've probably been a little bit too trigger happy and then not only do you find later on there's upteen spelling mistakes but the messages in him even if it's nothing too serious but there's spelling mistakes there there's messages in you in terms of in terms of cleared and 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 really you know it could have waited and it's just not the right thing not the best thing to do so yeah i think there's there's a time and a place for it yes if there's if there's an urgency to it and if there's some element of it and if you've got all the right information. But at, at times, you're pressured to make decisions even by team members where, you know, they're they're asking you or they, they want you to sort of really approve a decision. You know, what you find is that you know, you're better off asking questions as opposed to giving a sort of a decision on it. So, yeah, definitely, you know. I, I want to I really get a bit more into yeah. this decision-making okay. process. Okay, thing, okay. Because I think it's really absolutely important because it's, it's at the heart of leadership. You know, the, the ability to make decisions and most of the time hopefully to make the right decision is absolutely at the heart of leadership. Um, some decisions are clear. I mean, if you're in a building and it's burning down and you've got a safe exit, you get out. That's pretty clear. I mean, there may be circumstances where it's more complicated because you've got loved ones you want to try and rescue, but but generally that's a clear one. Sometimes the decisions are difficult because they're counterintuitive. You know, if you're driving a car in, in the winter and you hit a patch of ice and you get into a skid, the natural thing to do is to hit the brakes. The worst thing to do is to hit the brakes. So that's counterintuitive. Most decisions involve a level of complexity and most decisions involve some sort of 
compromise because they are not black and white. Perhaps the most important thing about decision-making is it is informed. You can never have too much information before you make a decision, right or wrong. I think sometimes you can have too much information. But, you know, just going back to the points that you're making about you know, we live in a world which is complex. You know, I keep going back about you and I have, uh, have discussed this, but in reality, we have discussed many of these things. But, you know, we live in a VUCA, a VUCA world, you know, V-U-C-A, VUCA, volatile, uncertain, complex, and um, ambiguous. And that really, in a nutshell, explains sometimes that you think you know, but you don't. You've got some assumptions, but then they're not right. You're, so there's uncertainty there. There's uh, complexity there. There's uh, ambiguity there. And it can be volatile. That's the environment we're in. So there's, you know, there can be some unknown unknowns. There can be some complexities, some layers of information that you know, we, don't, we don't know. It can be uncertain as well. So there's certain things that can change. And all of these things are there and you may have to make a decision bearing that in mind as well. Sometimes what we find is uh, we're in a world where information is easy. Sometimes, you know, you have a lot of information, but it's cutting, getting to the chase. It's being able to find the right information. We have too much choice and it's really being able to filter through and work out what's right, decipher the information and its impact. So it's about timely information, it's about reliable information, it's about having the picture behind the information as well, the context, the what-if analysis. It's that word that we've used many, many times, fit for purpose. And sometimes, you know, is it, you know when you say yes or no, unfortunately, yes or no doesn't cut it. It is about fit for purpose. I've had team members where they say to you, tell me what you need to know. And you turn around and say, well, tell me what I, what I should know. Where the onus is then on them to uh, bring to the surface the right level of information. I think being able to communicate and being able to get that information across is absolutely, absolutely vital. And, and I think, you know, getting, get, you know, p- putting it in, in some sort of sort, uh, in, in sorting that out, putting it together, being able to explain it uh, visually, being able to suggest solutions and so forth, and you know, giving the narrative behind it. I mean, the other point, of course, is that you know, maybe you can never have too much information. But the truth is that we very often have to make decisions with incomplete information. We often have to make decisions when we we don't have all the information because that's the the way of the world, isn't it? I mean, this this you know, you find some people who. You know, are reluctant to make decisions because they feel that they don't have the information or they need to wait on something. And it's really understanding what that impact is going to be. So, you know, at times analysis, paralysis comes in, you're, you know, you're waiting on information. You want really somebody else to make the decision for you. And you find that what, what are they waiting for and how is that going to impact? And yes, it's, it is about reducing your risk. And business a lot of the time is now about risk reduction you know, it's not about gambling. It's not really about entrepreneurship. Is you know, people have said it's a lot of a lot of it's about risk, but it's about risk reduction and understanding the risk, understanding the context of that, and it's the right level of information that we need uh, without getting distracted, without getting too much. And what you find is when you've got that right level of information, you find that the decision makes itself. 
You know, what I mean by that is that it becomes a bit obvious and we all rally rally around and say, actually, you know what, that is the right thing to do because it's it's there, it's apparent. And when you're in that position, that's when it just seems a little bit easy. And it's like in any professional, they make it look easy. And if you've got the right information, you know, and if your team and your departments can give you the right information, then it becomes seamless, it becomes easy. And then you're using data, uh, you've got integrity in that data, you can trust that data. That will lead on to hopefully uh, better decisions and, and the right decisions. I mean, the other thing, of course, is that, that it, by the very nature of things, you know, information tends not to be static. Information changes, you know, continually. Uh, and we have to make decisions very often in an environment where a set of information that we're working on might change in the next hour, it might change in the next minute, it might change in the next few seconds, which brings me on to something called the OODA loop. And in case our listener is thinking that the OODA loop is something that you might have bought for toys for us for a five-year-old, uh, it's actually not. What do you know about the OODA loop, Saf? Well, you and I spoke about this again. I mean, I keep going back, you know, <laughs> listeners are going to be thinking these are very interesting conversations that you and I have. But, uh, you know, I came across this uh, Radio 4 program by Matthew Syed, and we, we've made reference to Matthew Syed uh, previously. If anybody can search Matthew Syed uh, and his OODA loop and program and BBC Sounds, it's definitely worth listening. And OODA loop is something back from the World War Two, you know, United States Air Force, uh, a chap called John Boyd, uh, and he he does a, a technique which is a little bit about distraction, really. And you know, it talks about observe, orient, decide, and act. And it is a military technique, which some of these are, you know, are military techniques. And the concept is about distracting your opponent and then moving to an area where you're, you're limiting choice for them, but you've got more choice for yourself in a, in a nutshell. There's a whole story around it, and there's, there's a whole concept in terms of that. It's something I would say is not that common in business at this moment in time. It's not something which I would say is, is in most people's vocabulary, but it is something which, again, you know, goes into uh, our vocabulary of sort of understanding information, understanding data. And we've all learned that data and information are two different things. And a lot of people use the words interchangeably, but it's really understanding what is data, what is information, what needs to be done to the data to make it information. You know, a lot of that is about relevancy. Relevancy is, is a key part here. Filtering what's uh, what needs to be filtered and getting to a position where you can do something with that data in a fast-paced environment. And one of the one of the things, of course, with the OODA loop, which, as you say, is developed for the military, is one of the important elements is to make the decision because by making a decision relatively quickly you tend to put the opponent off balance and tend to take the the, the initiative so to some extent if you spend too long balancing the this and that and taking all the information into account it, it don't do you do a lot of good if your plane has been shot down while you're doing that so in business, do you think sometimes that it's perhaps important to make a decision because it can give you a level of market advantage because, you know, you're creating a situation in which your competitor perhaps 
have to respond to what you've done. One of the books I was listening to a little while back um, is by a, a lady quite quite well known, Ariana, Ariana uh, Huffington. And she's the uh, original uh, founder of the Huffington Post. If you, if you just type her name into uh, YouTube, you'll see her talking quite a lot about decision making and how she's able to thrive in this world and getting into a position where she lets things flow, you know, gets information, lets things flow. And, and, and there's a book, which I believe is called Thrive. And this book again talks about sleep and we've talked about sleep uh, earlier on, but it's a lot more than that. It's about really being able to have a, a sort of a call to arms uh, within within your organization, which redefines how we look at things. And and sometimes what we do is we we as individuals clap and praise people who are who come across as being quite short of themselves. Yeah, and you know the whole confidence element of it, and people who are sometimes who make a decision and then. When the facts change, stick to the original decision. And sometimes when you facts change, your decision needs to be looked at. And and, and in politics, they keep talking about, you know, doing uh, U-turns and various other things and, you know, and changing your mind on something is negatively portrayed. And again, I said, you know, I said some, you know, we need to, as, a, as an organization or within your own organization, I mean, we can't change society, but, you know, in our own businesses, what we can do is allow people to change their mind. You know, allow people to to say, you know, based on what I had, I made a decision, but you know, I have more information now, so I'm in a better position. I can make a, a better, more informed decision, and maybe at the time that was that was uh, right, based on what I had. Maybe it was wrong, but now, based on this, this is what I'm thinking. Hey, you you made this point to me before, and I think it's a very good one. That you know, often politicians, for example, get castigated because you know you made a U-turn, and sometimes it's actually the right thing to make a U-turn because if information and circumstances change, then perhaps the right thing is to to, to change the decision. There was a, a British Prime Minister in the uh, in the nineteen fifties and early nineteen sixties, not that I remember him, but 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 a chap called Harold Macmillan. And and somebody said, look, talk with you, Harold. He said, you like going, you know, you like somebody who's driving a car. You, you touch the brakes one minute, you put the accelerator on the next, you, you know, you do a U-turn. And Macmillan said, well, actually, that's what you have to do in a busy street. Uh, and the world is a bit like a busy street. You know, you have to respond to changing circumstances. So am I right, Tassaf, in thinking that you're somebody who actually does say, well, if the circumstances change, don't be ashamed of, Changing your mind. I mean, I, I try and do that myself. To be to be frank with you, I, I tell people that I've changed my mind on this. Uh, my view has changed, and that may not be even with additional information. That may be just me analysing the same thing and, and rethinking about it and, and changing my mind. And and you know, I don't want to give the impression that you know I'm changing my mind every every moment. There are occasions where I have changed my mind, and I'm I'm happy to so say so, and I'm nurturing a, a culture where. It's okay to do so. You know, it's not a bad thing to do so. And and it doesn't show weakness. It just shows the fact that, you know, you've moved on uh, your, your thinking. And I, I think if politicians can do that more often, you know, we will find, you know, we're no longer in sort of camps as such. You know, we're in a position where we are looking at things slightly differently to try and do the right thing. What's your take on using, uh, on turning to other people? I mean, for advice. I mean, people you trust and... 
you think you've got experience. To, to what extent do you think asking others helps or can there be circumstances where that just makes something even more cloudy and difficult, bearing in mind that ultimately advisors advise and you decide? Uh, I think it's really understanding, again, you know, you've, you've, you, I think you've hit the nail on the head there in terms of how you make decisions. On occasions, it's talking it out helps. Uh, just the process of being able to either jot your thoughts on in writing or being able to portray it to somebody else helps. And what you find is that just that process of going through that helps you make the right decision. And that's a big thing in itself. It's not just, it's not about, you know, necessarily what the other person might say or the sort of nuggets of gold that they, or wisdom that they may share with you. It is just a fact that it fine tunes your thinking, fine tunes your thought process and enables you to really understand what you're saying. So, you know, if you can simplify something, then, you know, you at least you understand it. And for you to be able to get somebody else's viewpoint, you've got to somehow simplify it. And, you know, in certain occasions where, yeah, you know, you're talking to somebody who isn't from your industry or from your sector, then one of the thing, key things is that you have to simplify it in a way where somebody outside your sector, you know, the, the person that you're talking to can understand it. And if you can do that, if you can simplify it, then the first thing is you understand it. If you understand it and if you've spoken about it, you let the, the mind sort of think about it and you'll find that it helps you regardless of what the other person, what nuggets of wisdom that the other person says. That's the first thing. So for me, in terms of seeking advice, yes, it's a good thing. But what you find is that it helps you yourself come up with a better decision. It's not always about what the other person says. That's how I tend to look at, you know, when I'm going out and talking to people and seeking advice. It's not just about what that person says. I think the important thing is, you know, and, I, and you know, in my life I've been on both sides of the fence, you know. If you're the decision maker and you turn to other people for advice, then that's fine. But I think ultimately you have to accept that you own the decision and you can't blame it on them. Equally, you know, and I've been in this position in, in life and to some extent, you know, in the, in the professional work that we do, I'm in this role as an advisor. And I think the important thing that people who are advisors have to recognise is that ultimately they, they don't make the decision and they, they either have to accept that some advice will be taken and, and sometimes it will not. And, and that can be a funny one because if you go to people and get advice and they get, start giving you advice to say this is the way and you don't, you know, you don't accept it, you don't take it, your situation changes. You know, you should never be in a position where you get upset about that. Decisions are the be all end all in terms of the right decision. And, you know, we are the sum of the decisions we've made and the actions we've taken. So uh, ultimately it is, it really is about decision making or, you know, sometimes to make the decision not to do something as supposed to do something. But whatever it is, you know, it's, you've, you've made a, a conscious decision. It's, you know, having clarity in this word. I love this word clarity and clarity of thought. Um, you know, which leads to then clarity of execution. You can't be emotional when you make these decisions. You know, you don't want to be making them in a rash environment and you don't want to be making them in an environment where it's untimely as well. So timing, you know, is a, is everything they say. Uh, so it's a combination of those and, and then it's really the execution, isn't it? It's really it's the uh, execution of whatever your thoughts are, your planning is and, and execution is mother of all plans as they say so a uh, combination of things but uh I, I was going to have to try and finish this episode off <laughs> okay. with some 
some golden rules. Okay, but, go but, on. But I think you've actually covered a lot. Okay, of go them. on. I'll, I'm interested in hearing your. I mean, rules. no, no I'm gonna, yeah. I was going to suggest for a three golden rule, but you've covered you've covered a number of them off. I mean, I think you've agreed that it's important to try to not make a decision when you're in a mo- an emotional state. Not always possible. I think we've we've already discussed the fact that you know it's probably, if possibly, if at all possible, best not to make a decision when you're being deprived of sleep or when you, you know, between 10 and 8. And finally, and I think this is important, and I value your comment on this, when you've made a decision, you've presumably made that decision to the best of your ability, given the available information and given the circumstances in which you've had to make them. It's very important, isn't it, not to have recriminations. Not every decision that you make, not every decision that anybody makes is going to be the work out well but having made the decision uh, in good faith with the information available and in the circumstances would you agree that it's very rarely helpful to recriminate yes if the things haven't worked out well then try and learn something but 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 would you agree with that i mean sometimes it's not the be all end all it's the consequences of that decision um and i think uh, the impact of it is absolutely vital i mean some of these things you know, you could sometimes you can change your mind on something, and it has no impact and it has no bearing. And other times, it's the consequence and the impact. We, you know, we live in a world where, to to be frank with you, we we want to understand our risks, we want to prioritize our risks, and we've got to be in a position where, you know, we make sense of the information that we have and decide on the appropriateness of it, and uh, you know, act accordingly. Yeah, I'm sure you're right. And and I'm sure that some of the issues that we've discussed today, are, well, I'm not sure I know, are covered in the, the Canny Bites books, which provide the basis of a lot of this uh, series. Um, we, we really do value what people think about uh, what we're saying. We really do value feedback and, uh, and any reaction that people have. And if they choose to subscribe and, and to like what they're hearing, then, uh, then that's hugely appreciated. We're going to bring this canny conversation with a cause to a close now and hope that uh, people will join us again before too long. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this canny conversation with a cause. These conversations are based upon the Canny Bites books by Safraz Ali, available on Amazon. To find out more, go online and visit Saf's website, pathwaygroup.co.uk, or join him on social media. He can be contacted at safras at pathwaygroup.co.uk. This is a 1386 audio production.